I'm Alex Shaw. I'm Sharon Shaw. And, and welcome, welcome to, to School of Movies. <laughs> what we have here is our after-school club show on Black Adam, recorded on day of release back in 2022. Followed by the second half of this double bill, a brand new show on Shazam! Fury of the Gods, again recorded on day of release. This should close out what I'm calling the Shazam! trilogy. No matter what, Dwayne The Rock The Johnson claims, I love this guy, but sometimes he is his own worst enemy. My son sacrificed his life to save me. Okay, that is the twist. That is the twist of the film. That is the first words of the trailer. You've fallen at the first second. Carry on. These powers are not a gift, but a curse. Born out of rage. This loose cannon needs to be locked down before innocent people start getting hurt. Oh yeah, if there's any innocent people to be accidentally hurt, that's the Justice Society's job. Sorry, I don't normally heckle trailers, but god damn it. He's been asleep for 5,000 years. Rather like the experience of watching. I'm just, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. It's not that long. And there's too many explosions for decent sleep. You find us a cell that can hold him? No cell can hold that ego. We'll take care of the rest. Who's on the team? Well, first off, there's the liability kid. I didn't bring a passport. We don't need passports. We're the Justice Society. Seriously, folks, at this point, we are now looking at a massive budget version of Mystery Men. Somebody! Black Adam. We're here to negotiate your peaceful surrender. Heard about at least three killers this afternoon. I'm not peaceful. Nor do I surrender. Here we go. I kneel before no one. You didn't come here to seek justice. You came to exact revenge. I never said I was a hero. You believe you are not worthy, but fate does not make mistakes. You have two paths. You can be the destroyer of this world. Or you can be its savior. I believe it was old Biff Tannen who said, Something very familiar about all this.
This has been a long-term project for The Rock. Uh, Bob Chipman estimated about 13 years he's been talking about this. It's only been nine years since Man of Steel was released. So that tells you how long this thing's been cooking up. Dwayne The Rock, the Johnson, has been wanting to be Black Adam for longer than a lot of the target audience for this have been alive. Because it, it is aimed at little... I was like, you know, uh, the Superman who kills people. 12A. Mild violence. Oh, God. Okay, right. That, that I, I thought this was going to be, like, ooh, a little bit more edgy. But, yeah, okay. Uh, now, this is phase one, film one. What? Question mark. Yeah, uh, part of the what the Honey Boo Boo guy has done with the DCEU, uh, along with cancelling Batgirl post-completion of filming and handing it over to the IRS in a tax write-off, meaning that even if the newly appointed James Gunn was like, I think we can finish Batgirl and release that, legally speaking, I don't think it's that easy. That is terrifying. And Zaslev is a madman. Is to just come balls out and go, we're going to do the Marvel thing. We're going to sort of build up, and we're going to do it in phases, and we're going to... like I don't know if he said we're going to have an Avengers-style event, but it seems like that might be an option. So this is... Uh, uh, DCEU uh, Extended Universe Film 1 in Phase 1. That's the 12th film, which is always the best place to start. I don't think he's come up with this idea. I don't think he's come up with any ideas. I think what DC or what Warner Brothers exists as at the moment is things he's cancelled and things he hasn't noticed yet. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, either way, Honey Boo Boo didn't get to this one. And The Rock, um, um, maybe he was afraid The Rock might storm into... I maybe. think he probably was. Yeah. He was like, Batgirl, I could take her. What was she going to do, sing out? me but the rock could fucking rock bottom him mm, yes for real probably should have and oh oh he definitely should have <laughs> okay so this is directed by juan colette sarah do you know who that is uh the name sounds familiar he's done something i liked yes you liked the shallows ah yes that's the good. shallows is really good if you look at the rest of his filmography you're like eh, not seen that that's a grumpy liam neeson killing people film uh Orphan. You know how everyone makes a mistake and does one bad film? It feels like Juan Colette Serra made a mistake and made one brilliant film called (laughs) The Shallows. Okay. Uh, But he also did Jungle Cruise. He got quite a lot out of the rock with that one. He He was on a boat, making dad jokes, being fun with the kids. Good times. It was way better on Disney Plus than it was in the cinema because just having a family around, uh, just having other people around was uh, who weren't on their fucking phones was really nice. And we could see. Yeah, we could see. Yeah, yeah, I, I did. I complained that I had real difficulty seeing that big end sequence that's mostly shot in a darkened forest mm. in the cinema, but on Disney Plus, far less of an issue. If you look to the left of the boat, you'll see some very playful toucans. They're playing their favorite game of beak wrestling. The only drawback is, only two can play. The rocks you see here in the river are sandstone, but some people just take them for granted. It's one of my bolder attractions. You know, before this, I used to work in an orange juice factory, but I got canned. Couldn't concentrate. Yeah, they put the squeeze on me, too. That's a good one. I should have opened with that one. Okay, so we begin with a boy narrator, which is always a bad idea. Don't start with, like, the only film I think that should have a boy narrator is Shogun Assassin. That's literally exactly what was in my head! The 
since you said boy narrator, that started playing out in my head. But that's because you can juxtapose there the boy going, but then bad things happened, and then like have violence happened. Mm. So it's like, well, this boy is witness to far more than they should be. But I remind you again, 12A, PG-13. Nothing too bad's going to happen in this. Uh, so he describes how uh, 2000... And I have deliberately not gone to look up certain details. I've gone, if the details are important, they'll have sunk into my head. There's an Arabian Wakanda. Okay. I can't remember its name. It's okay. something like Kamertaj. And it existed 2,600 years before the birth of Christ. And it okay. lasted for a long time. And they have a special mineral that f they found in the ground that glows. Sharon is lowering her glasses and looking at me. I don't know, Sharon. I don't know. Maybe this was in a DC comic and Marvel pinched it. That is like 70% of the case when you look at comparisons between Marvel and DC. By and large, Marvel are the ones who pinch stuff. Yes, Marvel comics. But then there's the era where Kevin Feige is going, you snooze, you lose. If you're not going to make it, we're going to make it. <laughs> so the old finder's keepers clause. Yes, that's the one. <laughs> okay, so they they live, have this very... It, it glows blue, though. So you see the sky beams would be blue rather than purple. Why are you looking at me like... I didn't... I didn't build a fucking thing. Okay. <laughs> <sighs> so um, it's, a, it's a glorious, beautiful place that presided for ages and ages, and we don't see any of that because they were really big on slavery. They got slaves out the wazoo. So it's very much like Egypt. Okay. And uh, one old guy finds a bit of vibranium. Sorry, uh, it's called adamant. No, it's called... Adamantium. No. <laughs> Well, no, just because his name's Adam. Uh, well, <laughs> Black Adamantium. Probably would have been better, actually. <laughs> Again, it's unobtainium or something. I really, I want to remember. Usually, School of Movies does their research. This is a test. This is an experiment to see how much of this film really sunk in. They mentioned this mineral that glows blue. And is very powerful many, many times. I would never forget vibranium. Unobtainium, ultranium, freenum. What? No, because the, the, the people want freedom, so it's, it's freenum. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so this old guy finds a big hunk of blue stuff and runs over to a slave driver and goes, I've got a big hunk of blue stuff for the pharaoh. And the slave driver goes, haha, the pharaoh sends his regards and stabs him in slow motion like 300 and throws him off a cliff while people go, Neeeeow! And then a little boy runs over and grabs the thing and goes, ah! I'm gonna free the people with this chunk of stuff and sort of like makes a triangle with his hands. And uh, then his dad says, you know, stop making waves. You're gonna get yourself hurt. And you know, and the kid's like, the people need a hero, and he runs off, and then we cut to present day. Kamertaj, Wakanda, the place that's, it's very important. We never leave this place. Wakanda forever. This place is called, oh God. It's actually frustrating me, because they say it about 58 times in the film. It's important. Okay, so this place, has been taken over by Intergang from Superman, the animated series. They're less incompetent. 
Intergang are a bunch of private security officers pretending to be police, pretending to be soldiers. They're not run by anyone in particular. Who funds them? It's unclear. They're stopping people at stops and checking their cars, etc. And there's a lady who's a fugitive and she's gone to find a crown. The crown was made out of the the the, the Freenum stuff and uh, it was given to the pharaoh and it gave him a lot of power. And she's trying to find it in a pyramid somewhere. She's there with her brother who is rotund and fun. He's like a giant wallaby. And she and her brother have a great kind of rapport and he's he's got that kind of goofball, uh, kind of uh, Nick Frost uh, energy about him. But they're both people of colour. That's one of the best things about Black Adam. It is an almost entirely people of colour film. The heroes are people of colour. The villains are sometimes quite white, but there's also a lot of people of colour in there in the security firms, so it's it's not just going white people bad, people of colour good. In fact, it's not really saying bad or good in that same way. I'm like, potentially rich middle ground for exploring a shades of grey world. It isn't. But uh, the, the point is that much like uh, Black Panther, which they've clearly taken their uh, a lot of their cues from, they've gone, let's minimise white casting, which is absolutely right. Mark Kermode pointed this out, and I thoroughly agree with him. The fact that we're now here mm. is, that is moving forward. Yeah. Well, if you're going to locate your story in that A Middle Eastern world, country, yeah. And then you fill it with white people. Why are you even bothering? Guillermo del Toro's uh, mimic commentary, he wanted to have Andre Brower uh, in the lead, but the studio who wanted Jeremy Northam, the, the most boring white man aside from Colm Fiore, uh, said that America is not ready for a mixed-race couple in 1997. This was Miramax, and that commentary is damning of Miramax. Without, like, it's GDT treading a fine line to not he say anything he can get sued for. very specifically doesn't mention any names, but he does say... He says say producer A and producer B. A certain B. producer, and we all know who he's talking about. And a certain producer who was thoroughly shitty to Mira Sorvino, whom he called very brave for, for being able to do what she has done. Anyway... So the treasure hunters are there. There's a little boy on a skateboard as well. He's the little boy narrator. I'm a little boy. The younger, sort of 13-year-old, Billy Batson-ish son of uh, the uh, lady who's a treasure hunter. I don't know the name. We'll just call her the mother. And I was thinking the whole way through, this kid it, like needs to get the powers of Shazam at some point. Not because he's a particularly great kid, but because that's kind of the modus operandi of the Shazam universe, and this is... Well, Black Adam's a Shazam villain, isn't he? He's a Shazam. I mean, Shazam is called Captain Marvel. They both use the same word to power up. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And they uh, actually show um, in flashbacks when um, he calls himself uh, Seth Adam or Teth Adam or something, or Black Teth or something... But like that, his his original slave name is not Adam. It's one of those ones where at the very end they go, "You're gonna need a new name. What's the name?" And he goes, mm, and then it goes Black Adam, and I'm like, "Oh, okay, cool." And then there's some credits, and then it goes in smaller words, Black Adam. Uh, but yeah, his, 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 we'll call him Black Adam, even though he hasn't yet chosen that name. Although it does feel like 
Yeah, no, no. It's it's his Muhammad Ali name. The the slave name he had should not be the uh, 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 the name that I refer to him as. And frankly, someone of his colossal power would have chosen a different name anyway, wouldn't you say? But as the film develops and it appears that Black Adam is a jaded adult, having those same powers wielded by a boy who can actually show him a clearer world, even if he rails against it, that's character development. And technically that does kind of happen. But the boy stays a boy. So anyway, uh, the little boy wants to stow away and help find the, the um, crown of Hoojumaflip. Uh, in the end, the explorer lady uh, does a really cool sort of Tomb Raider jump around some stone thingies to get to the crown, finds the crown, but then a bunch of those uh, intergang guys turn up, uh, led by a man named Ishmael. Call me Ishmael. Ishmael is the big villain of this movie. He doesn't have much going on. He just wants power. He's not even as interesting as Riz Ahmed in Venom. This film is not as good as Venom because Venom had Venom in it. As in the, Eddie, on my planet I am something of a loser too. Just the whole, the dynamic between Eddie and Venom was something. People took to it and that film did well as a result. I feel like this film is going to do well enough for several reasons that I'll go into. One of them being, The Rock's in it, and he's big and tough. The Milky Bar Kid is strong and tough, and only the best is good enough. But he'll settle for Black Adam. So, Intergang try and snatch the crown, and they're about to shoot this lady, and she's on this uh, seeming like a, a tombstone or an altar or something, and she's sort of reading the old uh, the lettering, and she's like, you know, you do not ever free this man, but you can if you say Shazam. And I'm like, that's like an even easier version of The Mummy, where you've got to have the book book of Horus and say the specific names in Hamanaptra. But yeah, she's like Shazam. And then he turns up and he's glowering and he's got a long dark cloak on with a, a, a hood. And um, she says later, you know, your first instinct was to help me. But I honestly feel like he should have challenged that and said, no, my first instinct was to kill. And it was just to kill all of the intergang guys around her. He doesn't challenge that. And then for the rest of the movie, there's this kind of, is he good or is he bad? Does the world need heroes or do they need something else? And I'm like, oh, so like every Batman film. So every Superman film since Zack Snyder touched Superman. And frankly, if you look back on uh, the past 45 years of media since I was born, most of it that deals with a Superman of any kind at some point Ask the question, but what if Superman was bad or cold and indifferent and inhuman and crazy? But Snyder in particular got stuck on Dr. Manhattan and now can't portray a Superman who isn't. The cyborg film within Zack Snyder's Justice League, they're doing it again. They're doing it again, folks. He has to decide, is he going to rule these people or is he going to save these people? And in the end, he sort of lands on protect these people. And it's like, that's just a different version of save. I never for a moment thought, ooh, he might go the other way. Because everything about this film suggests that he's a grumpy guy who's kind of eventually going to settle. And I'll be, a, I'll be your grumpy guy, if that makes sense. Mm. Which isn't bad. It's just not going to keep me awake. <laughs> The white people find out about Black Adam turning up and trashing a whole load of helicopters. There's a neat bit. Kermo didn't like this. I quite did. Uh, which is that they weave into the score when he's trashing a whole bunch of tanks and helicopters and dudes. Paint it black by the Rolling Stones. 
So it like the the actual score goes and I would have appreciated it if they just stayed with that and you'd be like, oh, that's kind of cool. And where have I heard that before? If you don't know immediately like like I did, but eventually they kind of just cut straight into it and he's doing it in slow motion. And I'm like, fucking hell. I wish Zack Snyder had never gotten a job as director. He has in Affected action sequences with his ah, boom, and then move fast, and ah, boom, and then move fast, and ah, boom, and then move fast. We've seen it. It's, I mean, it's 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 dynamic on paper, but it's less dynamic when we've seen it and when we can't stop seeing it. Also, it feels really dated. Like that's that's how films they thought were going to be successful do their action sequences. We now know that films that are actually successful, like Aquaman, doesn't do that. The white people scramble, and it's the Justice Society. It doesn't say of America, and that's fine, and that's for the best. If you ask me who was in the comics Justice Society, which, as I recall, at a time when I was interested in DC Comics, contained most of the Golden Age versions of established characters, so you've got, like, the Jay Garrick version of The Flash and the... Who was the Green Lantern from the Golden Age? He wore the red jumper. Ellen Scott. That's the one. And, I don't know, probably the Atom. I think Hawkman. They're all old. But subsequently, DC fanboys behaved so abominably online that I just went, you know, I don't, I don't care about any of this. I don't care about any of these characters anymore. You can have them. But, as I recall, around about the time that I just gave up, the current Alan Scott from a different universe turned out to be gay. So we get a gay Green Lantern. Yay. The comic boys did not like that. And it begins in the mansion of Carter Hall, Hawkman. And he's very much like a black, smug Bruce Wayne. And I liked him. He was he was fun being there. It's great seeing Hawkman be a hero of colour. He's a believable, if not especially spicy leader. He has a Blackbird vertical takeoff jet that comes out of his garden, just exactly like the X-Men. It's probably called the Hawk Jet. It probably predates the X-Men and... Uh, Marvel pinched it. The other two are Atom Smasher, who talks like Peter Parker in Civil War and is like a sweet young kid who, you know, doesn't want to mess anybody up and uh, is like, oh, Mr. Hawkman, sir. No, I don't have my passport. Where are we going? Berlin. And he has a fun little FaceTime with apparently the original Atom Smasher, Fonzie. That was one of my favorite bits. Henry Winkler could totally jump over King Shark. And he's sort of charging around the place, but looking like Giant Man. So mm. like he, he grows big and smashes things. He's like, I've got him under my hand. Oh no, he's breaking my fingers. No fingers get broken, but it's kind of like, yeah, he's your Peter type. And it's like, that's fine, he's fine. There's a lady, a young lady named Cyclone, who's like a tech expert and wears a really kind of cool costume with like... Um, stripy bobby stockings and and like a sort of a, a crazy green party dress and i think what this reminded me of most was uh triple x3 the return of xander cage where they brought in young people like donnie yen to insert some extra energy where vin diesel could not flex it and one of those young people was ruby rose who would later briefly be batwoman Oh, and Ruby Rose and Donnie Yen were both in John Wick movies and were the best things in those John Wick movies. Another one was the guy from Hot Fuzz who goes Yarp and is the Hound. And they did the same thing on Bad Boys for Life. It was like, look, these two creaky old cops, they're going to need some young energy. And I always applaud the multi-generational thing. Uh, you know, but she's fine. And again, m most of the Justice Society are, are people of colour, except... 
Pierce Brosnan as Dr. Fate. I was like, right. So as Dr. Fate, who came before Dr. Strange, they have to reestablish that this guy is has been around for a long time. And they do. He's, he's, he mentions seeing his first plane as a boy. He's got a power set that's very, very similar to Dr. Strange. Remember when uh, Strange attacked Thanos and then just turned into loads of strangers surrounding him and flying? It's almost like they fed that into a computer and created an uh, algorithmic code to create multiple doctors. And then they they changed the word strange to fate and just did that exact same sequence there. He's by no means as much of an asshole as Benedict Cumberbatch is Doctor Strange. In fact, he's really quite nice. And it just reminded me that uh, in Justice League Unlimited, they cast as Doctor Fate Odette Fair, who was in The Mummy. Mm. And the mummy returns, and he was like, he has an amazing voice, an amazing face. He's like the Israeli George Clooney. Clearly, could still play this character because he's younger than uh, Pierce Brosnan. Odette Fair, fifty-one. Pierce Brosnan, sixty-nine. Nice. I can help you in your journey, in your search for meaning. Help me? Why? Because that is my purpose. I accept your offer. Thieves, city of the living, crown jewel of Pharaoh Seti I, home of Imhotep, Pharaoh's high priest, keeper of the dead, birthplace of Anaxunamun, Pharaoh's mistress. No other man was allowed to touch her. Even more appropriately, in the animated short Superman Shazam. The voice actor for Black Adam was Arnold Vosloo, who played Imhotep the Mummy. Now, I'm not saying Arnold Vosloo should have played this Black Adam, but I have an unexpected issue with the casting of Pierce Brosnan. Because, drumroll, he's the best thing in the film. Do you know how frustrating it is that they have filled this movie with people of colour? They have set it in a place where what is at stake is subjugated people of colour. The anti-hero or anti-villain in the lead is a person of colour. He is surrounded by powerful individuals of colour. The villain is a person of colour. And the best thing in it is a very white man. And that's not the... That's not Pierce Brosnan's fault for turning up and bringing his A-game. But it's a real problem with everything else in the movie failing to raise itself above the humdrum. That's a big problem for me. Dr. Fate's thing is that he can see the future and he lives a lot sort of in the future and he keeps seeing Hawkman getting stabbed and dying and he's not telling him, but he's ruminating on what can be done about it. Uh, So the Justice Society turn up and Carter Hall's decision is to threaten Black Adam. Now we saw what happened when Stephen Strange decided to threaten Wanda a fucking bloodbath. Whereas this here is one of those more sort of bloodless baths. So if you just sort of got into a bath and there was nothing in it, mm. and then like a big fist fell on you, like a Monty <laughs> Python, like Monty Python. <clears throat> but you can bet your ass the bath would be shattered. 
But in between this, uh, Black Adam got hit by a Stark Tech missile with glowy blue stuff in there. But the glowy blue stuff was the Freenum uh, material, which is the one thing that he's uh, weak to. It's kind of like Kryptonite. Uh, he's, one of, uh, he's got Superman powers, which basically means you can hit me with any bullets, you can hit me with any fists, you can hit me with any nth metal maces, Hawkman. Uh, you can throw me anywhere you like. You can't hurt me. I will no-sail every punch. Mm. Now, I wrote this on the Discord, and it was pretty much everything that I wanted to say about Black Adam in one little chestnut. Here goes. No-selling a punch is a wrestling and stunt team phrase. Like, if John Cena smacks The Undertaker hard in the face, but pulls his punch so as not to hurt the actor, while The Taker just glares at him, refusing to register the impact. It's a way of making big, hulking bruises seem unstoppable. Black Adam did that with every single bullet and every single hit which is terrifying if he's a Terminator coming for our very vulnerable heroes. And it could be great as a way of showing Superman cannot be hurt, but cares deeply about very vulnerable and fragile human beings. His fear is that they will be harmed, not him. But Black Adam occupies an awkward space somewhere in the middle of the Terminator and Superman, claiming indifference while making vague efforts to help people with no possibility of being harmed himself. If he were Hancock and everyone thought he was an asshole, that would make for a far more entertaining character. But everyone was worshipping the ground he hovered over, drawing attention to DC's biggest problem, positioning their superpowered people as lofty gods who care not for the ants under their feet, as opposed to Marvel, where they are almost always human, given astonishing powers and trying to work out what to do with them. This is why the Justice Society were much more engaging than Adam in his own movie. Oh, it's from Shantae and the Pirate's Curse, one of the most delightful games I've played in a long, long time. So Black Adam wakes up in this boy's bedroom, and the boy's the, the little skateboarding kid, and the skateboarding kid has covered his bedroom in Superman and Batman and Aquaman and Wonder Woman stuff, because... And it's all comic related. So it, and he refers to the superhero industrial complex at one point. I'm like, that's maybe the cleverest and yet most face palming line in the whole film. And Black Adam sort of like, get out of my way. And the kid won't move. And he just keeps saying, like, so can you fly? You're invulnerable. Da, 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 da. And eventually, Black Adam just starts just busting through walls. And he's like, if you're not going to get out of my way, I'm just going to walk through walls. And. At one point, uh, the funny brother says that you must not have had doors where you came from uh, back there. And he's like, of course we had doors. That's how we w walked into rooms. And at which point the brother could say, well, could you just use the door and walk into rooms, please? You're ruining our small, poor house. Like, you know how Superman would, all, in the Zack Snyder Superman would always take off like an asshole. He'd be talking to you and then he'd go, I must go. and would launch himself up into the air, shattering whatever balcony you were on because he couldn't just float away and then fly off. He had to just sonic boom out of there like a complete dick. Well, Black Adam just walks through walls and people don't react in a kind of a what the fuck, man, way like they should, which would make it funny, like if Hancock was doing that, because everyone's terrified of him. 
so of course we had doors. You know, that's how we got into rooms. And then the brother says uh, that was sarcasm, which of course they didn't have four thousand six hundred years ago. But that means that he doesn't really get jokes when people say funny things to him and everything goes over his head. It's just a metaphor, dude. His people are completely literal. Metaphors are gonna go over his head. Nothing goes over my head. My reflexes are too fast. I would catch it. So it's almost like The Rock watched Dave Batista, his mate, follow in his footsteps to try to carve out some kind of screen presence beyond the wrestling ring and thought, that's a fun character type. I'll incorporate that into my performance. Only for some reason, the fun got lost in translation. So what we have there is Dwayne The Rock The Johnson not being funny, not being charismatic, really, not being much of a screen presence at all. You know that whole no sale on the hits? He's just there like a robot. And I was like, you waited 13 years to finally play Black Adam and this is the performance? What are you doing? It's not even like the director can be blamed for not being able to get a great performance out of him because he's already done that in uh, Jungle Cruise. They've worked together. It just feels like, well, this guy's bad. He kills like Superman kills. And as Bob pointed out... <clears throat> All superheroes seem to kill nowadays. Batman kills people. Superman kills people. When Superman was trashing Metropolis and not really caring who he smashed, that was this. When he was, you know, tr really trying to punch Zod into submission and then eventually broke his neck. But breaking his neck made him Superman scream and go, Ah! But I interpreted that less as Superman really, really upset that he had to take a life because, like I said, he didn't seem too concerned about every life that he was destroying by flying through Metropolis. Hashtag Batman was right. So much as, God damn, that was the last Kryptonian. That last one was Tom Cruise and the Mummy, but the rest of them were all Henry Cavill. If he does come back as Superman, can we stop making him scream? I'm worried about his throat, and I say that as the director of an audio drama. Superman, but without morals, is not new at all. Superman without morals has in fact been the de facto Superman type on the big and small screen for quite a while now, so that didn't excite me in the least. He fights the Justice Society. The, the uh, city is built around a giant statue that he... Uh, I think maybe one of the better uh, bits of drama, uh, Adam flies in front of him and sort of looks at this craggy, uh, eroded face and says, forgive me. Amanda Waller wants him... So uh, I've just literally seen the Woman King uh, a week or so ago. Viola Davis delivering this inferno of a performance. So seeing her back here as Waller, but not being quite so loathsome as she is in The Suicide Squad, I was like, very glad you're still here. But yeah, she's like, come to my underground prison, we will imprison you. 
And it's like, um, no? How about no? And she's like, no, we must, for the good of the world. And uh, as it turns out, he's not the kid who had the, uh, the bit of unobtainium. The kid who was causing trouble and speaking truth to power was about to be executed, but then got snatched away and bestowed Shazam powers by that same wizard council, including the Jamon Hounsou. He was turned into a Shazam, and he was a hero for a while. And then uh, his enemies used his family against him, uh, got, uh, mortally wounded his dad, and then he shared his Shazam powers, gave him the Shazam powers to bring his father back, and then his enemies shot him, the kid, the young, uh, the young hero, through the window with arrows, murdering him and so Black Adam's kind of like a, a a bit of a Kratos a bit of a Kratos but they really glossed over what he did as a result of that like it wasn't like the 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 streets ran with blood or that he killed every firstborn child or that he did anything <coughs> which is I think the um the default now for when you're doing anything that's 12A related, uh, it's like, oh, I did bad things. What bad things? Well, whatever they are, they're really, really bad. Terrible. Oh, so bad. Okay, Hawkeye, we really need to know what you actually did, who you actually killed, so we can get kind of a bead on where you stand. Yeah, because at the moment it's like off a few mob bosses. Versus, I don't know, killed children? Like if he, this is the equivalent of writing a number down on a piece of paper and and holding it up in a movie where it's like oh Sliding this much it money the table and it's like can see it. yeah because that's that's good because people have different versions of of what money is but that's fine because that's money that doesn't cover where a character stands in terms of terrible things they've done what they've done is the character their decisions based on what they had to do what they elected to do under pressure what they feel is so terrible it merits them feeling they have to pay a penance mm. for the rest of their life either way uh he eventually just does give up and go that's fine T- take me and put me in the under underwater prison and they do and they put like a a bit in his mouth and a, 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 a breath mask on his face and suspend him in an underwater capsule so that he can't say Shazam. Now, when you see something that seems like it's going to be a reveal, but you already know the case in the trailers, there's kind of an irritation of waiting for the movie to catch up with the bit that it seems to not know you've already seen. Which is a naive way of approaching movie making now, because the teaser, the trailer, the final trailer are all part of the roadmap all the way up to release and all of those articles speculating on things that people saw. But in that trailer, which I played for you earlier, Black Adam very clearly says, My son sacrificed his life to save me. These powers are not a gift. So my conclusion from the first moment of this child narrated movie was that's definitely his son in the uh, the the early stage and the man who sounds like Dwayne the Rock Johnson his father that we can't really see properly telling him not to stick his neck out and not to be a hero is uh is clearly the rock. So ultimately the twist didn't surprise me and it didn't delight me but what they did with it also disappointed me because there wasn't much. 
I, I can understand if he'd been like, you know, cold veneer the whole time. And then eventually he's really trying to save this kid. If he thought that the kid had died and actually broke down and just sort of let it all come out. And then the kid comes back and then he just, he's overwhelmed with joy that he managed to actually do it this time. A really intense performance from The Rock. He's more than capable of that. There's a film he did called Faster, which I don't like, but it has a very intense performance from him. And they didn't. It was it was all just you know I'm gonna I'm not a good guy but I'm gonna save the fucking day. Kent, who is the uh, Doctor Fate, uh, works out that what he's best off doing is blocking. O- uh, sorry, I forgot. Ishmael gets the crown, turns into a great big red demon thing. Uh, he's a kind of a big red version of Black Adam, who is a big grey dusty version of Shazam. So his villain is a bad Shazam. And then the film kind of ceases to really even have any meaning at that point, because it's like, so he's just a a, a a gruff hero who kills people. We've got loads of them. Okay. Uh, but uh, yeah, Dr. Fate goes in and, uh, and, and blocks off with a shield and says, I've worked out what to do. Uh, you know, I'm going to save your life, Carter. Uh, this is, I'm going to sacrifice mine to take down this demon. And he, Pierce Brosnan gives this lovely kind of almost Shakespearean, like I've had a long, long life and I'm finally looking into the future and I can see nothing and it's beautiful. And when you bring that to the, the, the film and nothing else even comes close, again, do you know how frustrating it is that this is a film that is so of colour and the only note that goes above and beyond is white. Miscasting. Same performance from Odette Fair. <laughs> For God's sake. So he fights the big demon guy and wins. Anyway, so um, he then gets onto the throne and goes, maybe I should rule. Mm, nope. And then he flies up and smashes the throne. And goes, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be its hero, the city, but I am going to be its protector. Also, not the hero that the uh, city wants, but the hero that it deserves. Okay, cool, cool. Cool. Going to be a protector. Then the post-credits, uh, Amanda Waller calls him on Skype and says, uh, "If don't leave the city. Do not leave Camotage. Uh, and don't be bringing your freedom anywhere else in the world. You are confined to barracks. I'm putting you under house arrest. Like, you didn't have to uh, submit yourself for, the, for my super prison, but you did, and thank you. Which is exactly what Superman did in Man of Steel. I feel like these movies are going round and round in circles. Also, there was a, a woman in the super prison who I felt like I'm supposed to know her, but I don't, so I'm going to assume that she's a blonde woman from Peacemaker, because that's the only other DCEU thing I haven't actually seen. Okay. So, blonde woman from Peacemaker may or may not have been in this film if there's a blonde woman in Peacemaker. The post-credits, yeah, uh, Amanda Waller's like, don't leave the city, or I've got people from outer space who'll deal with you. And uh, Black Adam's like, I'd like to see them try. And then you get, vroom, and then there's some smoke and mist. And then the score goes, and Henry Cavill's Superman with a nice bright red S, hope, and bluer than it's been before, version of his suit comes in and goes, you know, oh, it's been a long time since the... I mean, he's speaking with his own mouth, which is great. We haven't seen him do that for a while. You know, it's been a long time since the world uh, got this nervous. 
we should talk. And I'm like, oh, good. So unlike Hawkman, who came in uh, going, you know, surrender or die, he's like, we need to have a chat. And I'm like, yeah, Superman, the, the peacemaker. That's a bit more of an accurate Superman. So that actually made me smile. But at the same time, I wasn't surprised because everyone's been fucking talking about it. Uh, again, though, like surprise is less interest is far less value to me than the power of the performance and the actual the the weight behind the story that I'm watching because that's what I'm going to be watching again. Ultimately, you can only surprise people once. show you this uh, tweet we've got here this was posted on our discord in the bad reviews against humanity section which is one of our most popular hangouts they just keep on coming folks from uh, robert jefferson at comics explained i feel like the critics who gave black adam low scores are the kind of people who sit around drinking wine while listening to fancy music and saying that movies are art now, Comics Explained is a big YouTube channel, so I am only going to present my rebuttal to this statement. Art is the conveying of the artist's emotion into a medium in order to crystallize their take on a concept, even if the art itself is them working through their feelings about it. There are certain films, there are certain paintings, there are certain pieces of music people could get very powerful but very different responses from, and maybe none of those were what the original artist intended. The medium is a receptacle, but it's also a crucible of change. It can... Excuse me, I need to take a sip of fancy wine here. I'm just kidding, it is delicious Mars milk. But our responses to art come from our own experiences. Art is one of the proofs that we are an intelligent species. So while on School of Movies we like to read as deeply into everything we talk about as possible, definitely getting readings and interpretations that were not intended, we never want to say, that is all there is. We never want to be reductive enough to say, this is simply a stretch of scenarios. An excuse for cool fight scenes. And this film had the potential to be powerful, but it seemed unconcerned with hitting any kind of high bar, despite so many recent examples that did. If it's going to go, right, Black Panther did this well, do Black Panther. Try your level best to make this something that could stand toe-to-toe -to -toe with the best of Marvel. Do better. Even if it doesn't even necessarily have to be what anyone would classify as art but a product that has weight to it, which is secretly art, because you can't make that without feeling something. Mm. And Dwayne Johnson is most definitely an artist. His physicality, his speech, his performance conveys what he's feeling, or even what he's simulating he's feeling in the ring, on the screen. And it is flabbergasting to see him so slight, so unemotive, so rigid, so robotic here. What the film genuinely needed was that facade breaking as everything came tumbling out. Like he starts off as what you would imagine any sort of closed off, edgy, dark Superman is, but then it just breaks. 
And I was trying to think of, you know, like, is this a huge step down in terms of superhero stuff? And uh, it got me thinking about the films that came out in the early 2000s. So it's not as good as Blade, because Blade had Blade, and its music, and its style. And there was a kind of danger to uh, to, to Blade as a film, uh, which this doesn't have, because it's very much aiming for PG-13. It's not as good as X-Men, because it doesn't have the amazing casting of Hugh Jackman as Wolverine, actually really grabbing hold of that character and just making us go, whoa, who the fuck is this? Or Patrick Stewart or Ian McKellen, who I still maintain could have played a fantastic Magneto if he'd been given a fantastic Magneto character to play. He never was. Fassbender was on occasion, but not McKellen. It's not nowhere near as good as Spider-Man 1 or 2. It's not as good as Batman Begins at all. It's not as good as Superman Returns. <clears throat> However, it's better than Elektra. It's better than Catwoman. It's better than Ghost Rider. This is not saying much. It's damning with faint praise. Better than Ghost Rider... Both of them? Definitely better than the second one. Creeping at the door! It's better than all three Fantastic Four films that have come out. I'd say it's better than Man of Steel, even though Man of Steel had music that makes me weep. It has so much troubling, problematic shit within it that it gets demoted. So it has higher highs and lower lows, whereas this is kind of more of an average in between. Mm. So it's, it's better in general, better for you as a movie, mm. but it doesn't have those things that make a film like this stand out. Yeah. <clears throat> For the story they're trying to tell, it's nowhere near as good as Pitch Black. But it's way better than The Chronicles of Riddick. Chronicles of Riddick was very, Gosh, very yeah. self-serious. Okay. Everything about Chronicles of Riddick was ridiculous. And they were like, For this evil, we need another kind of evil. Black Adam. It's that. And it was just a giant arrogant vehicle for Vin Diesel. Stop trying to make killing people morally neutral. Yeah. Even even when you're killing people for what you think is a good reason, that's still not morally neutral. You still have to have that debate with yourself. So my new ranking for the DC Extended Universe, Aquaman at number one, and then Birds of Prey. These two go up and down. Birds of Prey actually got demoted because of how little impact it had on the Suicide Squad. Then you got Wonder Woman, which was again made worse by Wonder Woman 1984. It, it took away from the power of that movie, which means that Aquaman 2 could take away the power of that movie. Then Shazam, then The Suicide Squad, then Black Adam. Then Justice League, the Joss Whedon theatrical cut. Uh, then Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice, which has gone up in recent years. I haven't seen it. It would probably plummet back down again, but I like the score and certain things. Like, that. the actual film itself is less awful than the ones that come after. Suicide Squad, with its worship of Jared Leto's Joker. My God, that's obnoxious. My God. I I'm very grateful it exists because it meant Margot Robbie got to make Birds of Prey, but then see my reason for Birds of Prey slipping. Mm. Then Man of Steel, with all of its problematic elements. Then Zack Snyder's Justice League, which isn't as good as Man of Steel. It would have been higher up the list were it not for that epilogue. And then Wonder Woman 1984, the absolute worst, most bungled fuck-up of all of this. So far, they could bungle it further. So, <clears throat> we're going to get no Batgirl. I'm going to say we're not going to get that Black Canary film. But we may one day get Shazam! Fury of the Gods. Obviously, that's that's been 
that's that's finished and it's completed and it's actually had trailers released for it, which makes it a little bit more solid and real than, than Batgirl. Will we get The Flash? I don't know. It's Schrodinger's movie right now. Blue Beetle is apparently quite far underway, but again, feels like they could, they could cancel that too. It's a, uh, a hero of color again. Uh, Aquaman The Lost Kingdom. The first one made a billion. They will make that one. Untitled Man of Steel sequel and Untitled Wonder Woman 1984 sequel are also on the docket for Phase 1. Maybe untitled Black Adam sequel where he fights Superman, but not until he's apparently faced Shazam. Is Black Adam going to be in Shazam Fury of the Gods? Apparently not. When's this going to happen? When is Shazam going to fight the Shazam villain who's got his own movie and isn't a villain? But also, these are on the docket for possible phase two. We're not going to get a spin-off just about the Amazons of Themyscira. Why did someone suggest that that would be a film people would want to see? And just call it Amazons. I can tell you right now, almost everything I'm about to read out is a film I'd like to see, including and maybe especially Amazons. But it almost feels like DC will cancel whatever I like and greenlight whatever I don't like. Booster Gold? Booster Gold? <laughs> Does he get punched into outer space? Because if not, I don't want to see A it. dead shot solo film. Are you telling me that 10 years after he turned in his, uh, okay, performance in Suicide Squad, Will Smith's going to come back and do a dead shot solo film? After he was replaced, they put a dead shot type in the Suicide Squad to allow the role to remain open for him. Idris Elba was just as entertaining as Will Smith's Deadshot, but I feel uncomfortable with that swap. It's like in Mass Effect when you fail to save a member of your team, and it's like, hey, how's it going? I'm the other Krogan. Idris Elba should never be the other Krogan. He should be Rex. Shepard. We may also get Untitled Flash sequel, Will We Bollocks. Gotham City Sirens? Oh, that makes sense. Let's do more from the Harley and Batgirl universe. Why is this still on the docket? Green Lantern... Like I said, it's because the Honey Boo Boo guy hasn't noticed it yet. <laughs> Green Lantern Corps, Untitled James Gunn movie, Lobo, The Metal Men, Nightwing? It would be so perfect if Nightwing got his movie, but Batgirl didn't. And also, specifically, it means that we leapfrog over every possibility of Robin. There is no Robin, only Nightwing. That way, Batman definitely can't have a boner for his ward. Mm. More recently, people have been suggesting Damien for the next Robert Pattinson Batman. You know what? Damien is a great character. And I am son of Batman. So yeah, might liven up old R-Pats. <sighs> Static Shock. Nope, that ain't happening. Plastic Man and Zatanna, starring a lady magician. And definitely we're not going to get a cyborg standalone picture, even if they did recast. No. But without a doubt, that standalone, we're definitely not doing a sequel to this with Joker, directed by Hangover auteur Todd Phillips. This is a one-off, this is like a, a Scorsese movie, and Scorsese movies don't get sequels. Joker made a billion dollars. Definitely not going to be a Joker sequel. The Joker sequel's currently in production. Featuring Lady Gaga as Harley Quinn. Lady Ha Ha? This is bringing my lack of confidence in the DCEU to a middle. <laughs> That's ironic, since uh, the uh, guy who wrote that line also directed the extremely middling Justice League. Indeed. Oh, that, that's sorry, the, he is the uncredited extra footage director who also abused several of the cast. The fulcrum that all of this hangs on. 
Okay, so I mean, that's Black Adam. I can understand why people would like this because of the Justice Society turning up, and they certainly seem a little bit more... It, it made a bit more sense to sort of hit the ground running and go, I'll get my own Justice League with Black Adam and Hookers. Okay. <laughs> now that I'm finally at the end of the edit, I can set the record straight. The area is called Kandak, not Kamataj. And the blue glowy substance they dig out of the earth is called Eternium. Not Vibranium, not Freenum, and definitely not Ethereum. Um, and it, I got confused about the exact confluence of events here. Ishmael intentionally made Adam kill him while he was wearing the crown of Sabacc. That's not the card game from Star Wars. Having shot at Amon so that he could be damned to hell and reborn as the champion of the six demons of Sabacc arising from the underworld to claim his throne and the power held within. Oh boy, it sounds like it's going to be pretty challenging for Adam to beat him. Actually, it's going to be super easy. Barely an inconvenience. Oh, really? Well, I mean, it's kind of an inconvenience for Dr. Fate because he dies. Oh my god. I see. Part 2. Shazam, colon, Fury of the Gods. I'm an idiot. It's showtime! I don't deserve these powers, if I'm being honest. Like, what am I even contributing? Ow! There's already a superhero with a red suit with a lightning bolt on it. Aquaman is literally huge and he's so manly. And Batman is so cool. And I'm just me. Uh, I feel like a fraud. It doesn't matter. Um, anyway, the wizard gave me superpowers. Yeah! And then everybody got superpowers. Where's everyone going? To fight crime. Okay. Now everyone's kind of like doing their own thing and I'm the only one trying to keep it together. You understand I'm a pediatrician, right? Come on! Now let's get down to business. Listen to me, Billy. The fate of your world depends on it. The daughters of Atlas are coming for you. Children stole the power of all the gods. This is very personal, Billy. Look, I might not have as much experience as you because I'm not super old like you, <laughs> but I've seen all of the Fast and the Furious movies, lady. It's all about family! A dragon. I love my life. There's an extended Shazam universe now, isn't there? Like, if you. I don't know how much you remember about what I said about Black Adam, but it is absolutely the same lineage. Like, the, the wizard Shazam was in that. Black Adam has the powers of Captain Marvel uh, and. 
now exists in the same world. Like, he is in the modern day, like, scrapping with the Justice Society, meeting Superman at the end of that film. He's doing his thing. And so, like, as soon as I heard Black Adam was going to be a film, it was actually before Shazam was going to be a movie as well. If you remember that, The Rock's film was in development for ages. My guess is what happened was they brought in Dwayne Johnson and said, we're going to be doing a load of uh, DC superhero movies. Uh, And this would have been before even Dark Knight Rises, I suspect. And Zack Snyder, you know him, he's going to be godfathering this whole thing. We've got Christopher Nolan. He's going to be producing Man of Steel. Like These are going to be prestigious like, big superhero movies, not like what Marvel have been trying. Did you see Thor? God, no, 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 we're not doing that. So, have you got a character you'd like to be? Because we're thinking Lobo, we're thinking this. I mean, The Rocker's Lobo would have been so good. Like, when I was thinking, like, when Jason Momoa was first cast as Aquaman, I was like, he looks like, like Lobo. Lobo. Like, if I was going to cast anyone, it would be Jason Momoa as Lobo. <laughs> And then we later found that Jason Momoa is incredibly fun and charismatic. Because at the time, we'd only seen him as Cal Drogo and kind of a Conan the Barbarian that was forgettable. Which is a damn shame, because if they made Conan the Barbarian now, he'd be really fucking good. He would, he would. But I, I do think we did then find that he shines as Aquaman and takes the character yeah. in a direction that it really deserved to go. But that being the case, you got a spot open for Lobo. You get Dwayne Johnson to be it. But Dwayne Johnson said... I want to be Black Adam. And they were like, oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we could do a Black Adam thing, you know. I think he should, you know, I want to be... And they're like, you'd be like a major villain in the whole, like, uh, like a, a Shazam movie. I mean, we don't really know... Like, we can't even call him Captain Marvel. So, I mean, will kids like... I mean, like, what Zack's thinking of is not going to be very kid-friendly. And The Rock was just like, yeah, yeah. Give Black Adam his own movie. And they were like... Okay. And then they developed and 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 put it on hiatus and brought it back. And they went, and developed. Okay, and developed. I'm just going to put this in a drawer slam. No, they eventually made it. They made the Black Adam film that seemingly Dwayne Johnson wanted. And it was called Black Adam Interjection. I have subsequently done more research since recording this. And yeah, that's pretty much what happened. Although I was wrong about one thing. Originally, it was going to be a Shazam film circa, like, 2006. And they brought The Rock in to play Shazam. Or Captain Marvel. The guy in red. The film fell apart, most probably because The Dark Knight became huge. Then The Rock seemingly took an interest in the Black Adam character. And then The Rock said, No, I don't want to be a villain in someone else's movie. Which is a shame, because that's what he was in Fast Five. Arguably the best Fast and Furious film, and when they started getting really good. It's also what he is in The Mummy Returns, although that actually wasn't Dwayne at the end. That was something out of a PlayStation 2 game. But then he wanted his own movie where he played the hero. So The Scorpion King. And a bunch of straight-to-video sequels that he went nowhere near. And Black Adam is given the choice between, do you want to save these people? Or rule them, if you remember. That's the plot of Superman. Sorry, Black Adam. Sorry, Cyborg. Sorry, just, it's the same. Anyway, Black Adam was its own thing. At the very end of Black Adam, Superman turns up. And you're like, oh. Because, like, there's some smoke. And then out of the smoke comes Superman. It's like, da 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 And you're like, 
I feel like that should be Shazam. Mm, what with Black Adam not being a Superman villain? No, really. like no, no, no. It's just, there have been fights between Shazam and Superman because Shazam is a really good example of like someone who in the Justice League uh, Unlimited episode Clash. It's it's a really solid way of delineating the difference between what people perceive Superman is, the Boy Scout, and what that version of Superman actually is, which is actually teetering a little bit close to the edge of trying to control things too much without going into full-on Nazi Superman. Yeah. It's it's a well-handled arc, and Clark is under pressure, and Billy is effectively the innocent version there. Yeah. And they could totally have done that in this world, but they didn't, and... Somehow, Superman ends up turning up where Shazam should be at the end of Black Adam. And at the end of this one, the Justice Society people turn up to ask Billy if he wants to be in the Justice Society. Because heaven forfend that Black Adam and the character whose comic he is a villain in having not ever had his own long-running comic series, God forbid they ever meet, have a clash of ideals, and then a clash of fists. God forbid Spider-Man ever meet Dr. Octopus. God forbid the Red Skull ever meet Captain America. God forbid Loki ever meet Thor. Thor, Love and Thunder had a great big Loki-shaped hole, and the Loki TV show, to my mind, has a great big Thor-shaped hole. Now, Loki could absolutely run his own thing, but you kind of have to... Like, he didn't start out the gate as, this is the Loki film. He was a villain in a Thor movie, and the casting was so good that they carried on with Tom Hiddleston. It was the Loki show. You don't just go, well, the casting for Black Adam is fantastic. And by the way, the casting for Black Adam is fantastic. It's the direction they took Black Adam in that was not fantastic. Come to find out, around about this time... The reason Shazam and Black Adam have not yet met, and won't, ever, is because Dwayne, who I will add here, is one of my heroes in real life, so this very much disappoints me, does not want Black Adam to meet Shazam. Okay. Dwayne, that's cuckoo crazy. Okay. hmm. Do we have any idea what his rationale behind this is? Because I have heard tell, which you may be able to... I've heard tell, concern it. That Zachary Levy has been doing some rather foot-in-mouth shit. Ah, yes. And I was just wondering whether Dwayne's I am not standing on a set with him Mm. might be related to that. That, honestly, not a bad idea. Not a bad principle for this to be the case. However, I feel like were that the case, DC would more likely just recast Shazam mm. and then make sure that that Shazam meets Dwayne Johnson. Right. Uh, like, just you tell us who you want it to be, John Cena, who would uh, who would have been the guy I said should have been Shazam all along. Mm. And you know what, folks, I was right because we're stuck now with Zachary Levy, who. I had to explain this to Will because Will really likes Tangled and really liked the original Shazam. And it's uh, one of those cases of... Um, it gets exaggerated in uh, in right-wing and um, libertarian comedy, such as it is, uh, of, uh, oh, no, we're not allowed to like this thing anymore. It's bad now. And ultimately, you're allowed to like Zachary Levy if you want. But bear in mind that uh, the actual kerfuffle began when uh, Lyndon Wood... 
uh, tweeted, do you agree or not that Pfizer is a real danger to the world? Question mark. And Zachary Levy retweeted with hardcore agree. Pfizer being the manufacturers of one of the um, major vaccines that have uh, allowed America to go back to work. And a lot of people started tweeting at uh, Zachary Levy. Uh, one of the more helpful ones uh, was from Max Kennelly. For your own sake, please call Mark Ruffalo and beg him to help you understand how celebrities can be outspoken critics of corporate America, Big Pharma, and even Pfizer, specifically without playing into anti-vax propaganda. The pharmaceutical industrial complex in America has America by its heartstrings. Like, America is dependent on a very cruel and vampiric system of extracting enormous amounts of money and insurance from every single one of its citizens to effectively run a racket. It's in case shit. And you know, obviously coming from a country with, with socialized medicine, or at least fucking I was born in a country with socialized medicine, and the conservatives have throughout my lifetime done the absolute most they possibly can to eliminate the NHS. I had to go for a root canal uh, earlier this week and uh, it got cancelled because thanks to all the bigotry and uh, Brexit, all of our dentists are now absent from this country. Like well, the few dentists remaining uh, after as many immigrant dentists went home or decided, you know what, fuck it, even though I'm not being forced to go home, I don't feel like this country is welcoming to me anymore. And they are absolutely right to do so. We are now left with a small amount of dentists dealing with billions of teeth. And eventually, my, my uh, months-long wait for this appointment got cancelled because we're rushed off our feet. Meanwhile, our friend Loretta, who lives in Texas, her uh, fiancé had to have a root canal done. Emergency treatment cost $2,000, a crippling amount of debt to suddenly be slammed with, especially when, a pr uh, when dealing with fucking job-related problems. Update to the tooth situation. They cancelled my second appointment again. My tooth broke. It's probably going to need to be extracted. That will be the second tooth I've lost in about a year. It wouldn't have broken if it hadn't been hollowed out and left for week after week after week after week after week after week after week. But it was. And the crack probably goes up under the gum line. I've been having real difficulty eating since then. And my appointment, which again could be cancelled, is tomorrow. It's probably going to be like last time where the dentist puts their knee in my chest and starts ripping out pieces of tooth with pliers. And while I'm whimpering, they go, You all right? Not really. This is literal torture. I'm freaking out. Anyway, so I am in no way going to defend Big Pharma in this scenario. But ultimately, it's the Letitia Wright thing of I'm just asking questions. I'm just retweeting people. And unfortunately, Wood, who I mentioned before, is a massive transphobe. And Zachary Levy is like, oh yeah, I love him. Love Jordan Peterson. Levy himself is a libertarian. And this is one of those scenarios where they haven't done terrible things themselves, but they have absolutely backed. You know, on the Joe Rogan show, Joe Rogan misgendered Elliot Page and Zachary Levy didn't do a damn thing to stop him. Uh, you could put that down to Zachary Levy not knowing what the fuck was being talked about and uh, and and not being able not being in, a in possession of all the facts anything. to be able to accurately uh, reset things. But ultimately, people are kind of already sick of Zachary Levy, and so watching a previously great fun guy who I loved watching as Shazam now playing Shazam, I'm like, I guess I'll tolerate you. I just I'll just I'll sit here and wait for the charm of this movie to take effect.
Now, maybe Dwayne Johnson took exception to that, but it was really fucking recent. And Dwayne Johnson seemed really, really intent on fighting Superman. It wasn't like the next best thing to Shazam. He wanted to fight Superman. They dragged Henry Cavill back for that cameo at the end of Black Adam and then let him go again. Because it didn't hit the big time like everyone thought. That the, the direction of Black Adam did not hit everyone's inspiration bones as Johnson had expected. Johnson was not very much like sort of, you know, no, this, 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 the movie made this much money. Another movie that got a sequel made this much money. We are at the full steam ahead for Black Adam 2 versus Superman. And eventually just someone must have had like a T-boy or something must have had to, oh, Mr. Johnson, I'm afraid it's not going to happen. You're fired. I know. And then he rock bottomed him. James Gunn himself was asked, what are you going to do about Zachary Levy? And uh, James Gunn gave the usual response of, I can't just fire people just if they say things that uh, I disagree with. <sighs> His hands are tied, blah, 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 blah. It's, it's just like watching movies with all of this meta shit going on. I, I find it harder to focus on the, oh no, the Gleep Glops are coming. Yeah. Plots. It's got to really rankle for James Gunn to be asked that question though. Oh yeah. Oh, would you fire him over tweets, Mr. Gunn? I don't know. Would I knee-jerk fire him over tweets, potentially uh, throwing a massive spanner into his uh, career? But at the same time, does he deserve it? Because he only just tweeted this shit. Do I fire him on the spot for this tweet? Does he have the authority to, to fire him? <sighs> so, yeah, all of this stuff is exhausting to think about. So, honestly, I went in going, okay, I'll find out later what Zachary Levy did, and I'll just try to watch this, like, as is, make my judgments then, then come back away and find out what the inside baseball side of this is. And I did, and I have difficulty thinking back to all the stuff that happened in this movie and going, this was brilliant, totally recommended. You must watch this film. I liked it about as much as I liked Ant-Man and the Wasp in Quantumania. Uh, it's silly. It's stupid at times, and it doesn't... Like, it got bad press because I feel like critics are getting really cheesed off going to unexceptional superhero movies. They'll go to a Black Panther and be like, okay, give us what you got, comic books. But they're like, I've got to go and do a fucking Shazam movie. Oh! A lot of them, however, when I went in to read them, were like, this has lost the spark that the original had. Mm. So, okay, so at least they're acknowledging that there was something there that's not now, mm. rather than claiming that all comic book movies have always been like mm. this. But also note that if it is Dwayne Johnson who doesn't want to meet with Shazam, even if it is with Zachary Levy, that is in fact two, count them, two major franchises effectively disrupted and divided with one guy at the centre, Fast and Furious being the other one. Yeah, one more, Dwayne, and we're going to start thinking it's you. <laughs> Can't blame Vin on this one. Vin's getting on really well with John Cena, his brother, right now. Question mark. Fuck it. But like I said, I really, really, really like The Rock. He has that spark, that Muhammad Ali fire behind him. He was an amazing sports entertainment performer, and then he's been a fantastic screen presence. It took a long while for him to get movies that were worth him, mm. and since then he's done a lot of movies that were great, and a lot of movies that were like, I mean, you just got to keep working, haven't you? Mm. 
Well, I think... And the, but the, the, the eventual direction of Black Adam was like, you are using none of your strengths apart from your ability to bench press a yeah. lot of stuff. Fundamentally, there is... He has proven that he is a good actor. Yeah. And he's demonstrated that when he is most... He's not in this movie, by the way. We're talking about Shazam, and he's not in it. He's important to the background. That's an issue for me. (laughs) But he's... He has a quality of humour that is really brought out when you put him in a character or a circumstance that is very unusual and allows you to detach from, but he just looks like The Rock. You you don't achieve that if you put him in films where his main activity is throwing guys around the screen. I would say Dave Batista could do uh, Black Adam and just be given the same lines and still do a slightly better job if you gave him a pair of little glasses. I was just about to say, <laughs> Dave Batista needs to send Dwayne Johnson a pair of little glasses in the post and say, put these on, for, it will change your life. <laughs> anyway, but uh, another thing that's rather pointed is that um, the big question mark over the future of DC like yeah. J- James Gunn's there it changes from day to day mm. I, but years ago I, I read out the slate of all the movies that DC had announced DC liked to announce a lot <laughs> DC liked to provide films behind their announcements maybe one third of the time but they announce a lot. They, they've got a lot of irons in the fire. They snatch a lot of those irons out of the fire. They let some of them melt down. Mm-hmm. So it feels like, okay, so this is kind of in the Zack Snyderverse, I guess. But is that going to exist after Flash? Or But, I mean, okay, so the DC continuity is all over the place. And they're going to do a big way of rearranging it so that they can streamline it and sell more comics based on this. Oh, well, I suppose you could... You could call it kind of a crisis. Mm. <laughs> Couldn't you just? Yeah. I feel like the the whole we aren't renewing Henry Cavill's contract is a way of saying our attempts to build a linked cinematic universe have been abandoned. Maybe. So this might, there will be a couple of others connected with this. We know like the, uh, the, the Flash movie, when it eventually comes out, has got Ezra Miller's Flash in there. For only their second on-screen appearance. Yeah, what I what I fear the most, and I, I if say if we don't f- count the cameos, I say fear in inverted commas because I don't really fear. You it. know what I makes don't me afraid? Really care. Is that eventually we'll all be speaking comic book. <laughs> <laughs> but they're called parademons, Sharon. I feel like they're going to look at their balance sheets as they always do, and they're going to go, "Do you know what's the only thing that has consistently made us money? Batman." Let's do some more Batman. Let's wring as much Batman out of this property we spent so much money on as possible. Well, it'll be a, a two tent poles, the big two of DC. You'll get your Batman on one side and your Joker on the other side. Yep, absolutely. They're never going to meet, though, because it's very important that Batman and Joker do not meet. Because the universe would fucking end, apparently. <laughs> Okay, so what is this film? Okay, you got three sisters, the Daughters of Atlas, played by Helen Goddamn Mirren as one of them. She's the crone. Nice. And she's fantastic. Then you got Lucy Liu playing, I suppose, the mother? Um, that works. And, and you got Rachel Ziegler, who's an actress I don't think she, you've seen in much, playing uh, the maiden. The... I recognise the name. We'll come back to that later. We'll come back to that bit. Actually, let's, let me just check out where, what else Rachel Ziegler's been in. I feel like I've seen her in something recently. Hachimama. That is a dress. 
She's in Snow White 2024 with Gal Gadot as the evil queen. Okay. Ah, West Side Story. So I've seen her in something else. She was, of course, I've Maria. I've seen her in the West Side Story trailers. Oh, and she's in the fourth Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbird. Okay. Is that the one we find out about President Snow? I don't know. Well, yeah, okay. Yes, it's the prequel. Okay, good. Really looking forward to that. Oh, uh, yeah, the 2024 one uh, is actually Disney's Snow White, so she's in the uh, on-brand Snow White. But yeah, I, I will recognise her name from interviews about West Side Story. Okay, so yeah, they're the Sisters Three, and they want to get their hands on the staff of the wizard, of the doobly-doo, um, and... Does it have a knob on the end? Yes. Uh, we are reminded with a little flashback partway through the movie that this is actually the one that... Remember Mark Strong was flying around being mean? Not Sinistro in Green Lantern, I'm talking about Dr. Zhivago from the original Flash. He had that staff, and uh, Shazam just cracked it across his knee. It's that, and they need to get the thing back together. And to do that, they get the wizard Shazam. And I'm like, oh, shit! Uh, This is Dijamon Hounsou. If you remember, in the original Shazam movie... Every time I say Shazam, by the way, I'm going to put a lightning strike. Every time... I was going to say, I'm expecting you to turn into a small child. In the original You-Know-Who movie... (laughs) Uh, he was like, right, welcome, Billy Batson, grab my staff! And Billy was like, ew, gross, okay. And then he sort of held his staff, got the powers of you-know-who, and then he was like, right, my job is done here, and crumbled to dust. And I'm like, that it, we bitched at the time. That is a really negligent mentor. You've got to teach this kid something. Mm-hmm. He is really lacking in the old wisdom of Solomon. And actually, they even bring that back in and say, no, wisdom of Solomon, that's one thing you don't have. Mm. And uh, it's also a great way to not make best use of Jimon Hansu, but then you can join the queue on yeah. that one. It's like, uh, oh, I do not have the wisdom of this solo man. What they've actually done with this is Asher Angel, the kid who plays Billy Batson. Remember when we had the uh, uh, the kids from the the kids, <laughs> the kids from the franchise killer podcast on talking about Shazam? We were like. I don't know how they can do this. The like you in the future, too long, you the wait too long, the kids out. are going to age out. That's the subtext of this movie. They they are aging out. The kids are moving on. Billy's about to become eighteen, and he's freaking out inside because uh, he's he's going to be. He feels like he's going to be no longer part of the system. They won't get the royalty checks in his fa- their foster house. Yeah, and he feels like he's about to lose another home. And I'm like that really feels like something. Mm, that's a huge yeah. thing for kids who are in care because there's the potential that you're going to lose all of your support as soon as you hit a certain And age. I wish we could see Asher Angel on screen and see him being anxiety-ridden about that, but I, Asher Angel is in this for about 3% of scenes. Mm. It's all Zachary Levy. Right. Who, if you like him, that's great. If you're like, ah, oh, okay, Zachary, carry on. Tell us again about how Jordan Peterson is great. And Joe Rogan. It's just asking questions. Anyway, and the rest of the kids also barely appear. They're in their adult forms most of the time through this film. Mm. Which means that the girl playing... So that's Mary Eugene Pedro Dalla. They're called the Philadelphia Fiascos because they keep fucking up. And uh, like they try to be superheroes, but they kind of mess it up because they haven't had the mentorship. Mm-hmm. Uh, but This is where a Justice League or society or something of that nature would come in really handy. Yeah, or an, uh, uh, maybe a friggin' Amanda Waller showing up and doing Nick Fury's job. Anyway, or just more Viola Davis, but having her be den mother. Mm. Mm. Like her... Dignity while the other kids are messing around. I am a professional government official. Why am I babysitting? Yeah. <laughs> that lady has been nominated for four Oscars. How dare you? <laughs> anyway, 
But I mean, I, I'm making up films that are way better yes, than what we actually get. Indeed. But uh, it's, it's a popular activity in this house. Two things. Black Adam himself, the rock dealing with children versions of Shazam. That sounds adorable. That didn't happen. The other thing, Amanda Waller isn't actually the DC Cinematic Universe's Nick Fury. That's a misconception. She's their General Ross. The young lady who plays Mary uh, is playing herself for both. Like She doesn't age she when she becomes uh, she? Mary Marvel. And uh, the girl playing Darla, who I always remember as like being the cutest little kid, was just so fucking adorbs. And then... As an adult, she's like really perky and, and, and like totally has been hanging around with this kid and copies her mannerisms. She's like the best thing in this still. You know, she's she's acting like a child in a lady's body, but it's it doesn't ever it feels so wholesome, mm. so it's 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 fine. Yeah. Her name is Megan Good, and I really hope we see her in a lot more. Uh, but they kind of want to move on and do their own thing, and, and uh, Billy's holding on too tight. So that's his anxiety in this. He doesn't want to go. And, of course, the best kid actor, Jack Dylan Grazer as Freddy, who was always the most entertaining thing in that first film, they're like, right, keep him as Jack Dylan Grazer as much as possible. I mean, we like Adam Brody. Jack Dylan Grazer's better. Uh, because you, it's rare that you get a kid with that level of charisma. So he is doing his own thing. Do you remember his bullies? Mm. They're, they're like, ha, 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 there's a crippled kid. Look, he's on crutches. Let's push him over. And all the rest of the school just sort of carries on walking, going, mm, this is fine. Or like just stops and stares and watches while the bullies are like, ha, ha, let's kick the cripple. Yeah. No one goes, get the fuck off him. Like there's no Gwen Stacy from The Amazing Spider-Man to go, yo, Flash. We're done here. And just, like, stand in for him because while well, Peter Parker takes photos because Gwen was great. Yeah, again, these awful fucking bullies are like, aha, this kid with his mouth, we're going to put him in the trash. And then this girl comes along looking very much like Maria from West Side Story. And she's like, oh, who are you? I'm a new here at this school, human. And uh... How do you do, fellow kids? <laughs> And uh, Freddie immediately is besotted with her. And of Jack course. Dylan Grazer, who goes by he, they, is really convincing as a boy besotted with this 6,000-year-old woman. He kind of defends her from the bullies a little bit by just being mouthy enough to get their focus on him. But it's not like they were going to throw a pretty new girl in the trash. And if they did, this is the worst fucking school ever. Well, indeed. Also a little appearance here from Deirdrich Bader, who's like a, a gym teacher or something, turning up and is friends with Freddy. And I'm like, ah, because he was Batman in the uh, Brave and Bold. And I think he's also Batman in Harley Quinn as well. So he's double, but no, because I'm, I'm double, double Batman. Batman. <laughs> Kevin Conroy, hold my beer. <laughs> I've lost count. Anyway, so Freddy's got his whole thing and he sort of likes her. And then she's starting to feel a bit, should we take over? And they're looking for a golden... I put MacGuffin. Mm. It's an apple. The apple of Athena, probably. Um, but my spell checker changed it to McMuffin. And I'm like, you know what? Better move it. <laughs> looking... Yes, I'm looking... This is Helen Mirren. Dame Helen Mirren. I'm looking for the golden McMuffin. Have you seen it? <laughs> so that dignity thing that I've said, that's totally there, because she's there having to deal with Zachary Levy, at, you know, greying at the temples, but acting like a little kid. It's kind of a half arse clash, and, and it doesn't really seem like uh, Helen Mirren's really into the idea of world domination, but uh, the, the three sisters got really hard done by. Rewind a little bit. 
the wizard Shazam is still there. I don't. I actually think I missed the very beginning of this film. I don't know why and how he's there in in a prison. I, I got that he was in Black Adam in a flashback in the past before he disintegrated on Billy and turned to Ash. Maybe they reconjured him or something. I have subsequently rewatched the film. No explanation. It's unclear. But I was just like, that's really good. Because German Hounsou really wanted to be a significant black comic superhero type, and they turned him to dust almost immediately. And it's like, Black Wizard, we never get to see that. So luckily in this, he and Freddy end up bonding quite well, and there's quite a lot of uh, mouthy kid, and like, Freddy even points out, okay, I'm an overly precocious kid with an encyclopedic knowledge, and you are an ancient wizard. Like, we're gonna really get on well, and we're gonna get this thing done. And so, like, that stuff's really uh, fun to watch. This thing got a fucking pasting relative to how much kind of gentle fun it actually is. It's not going to set the world on fire. And the whole thing feels kind of, eh, we've just realised that children get old and there is a fatal flaw in our franchise. You've you just, just realised that? Having tripped over it on numerous occasions. Yeah. Just, just. Go back and watch your own back catalogue, Warner Brothers. You will see plenty of evidence. The weirdest slash funniest slash oh bit in it is uh, Billy. We cut to Paris and Billy uh, as Shazam is oh, sorry as you know who as Captain Marvel. He still hasn't figured out a name. Uh, is on a date with someone, someone special, and he's like, you know, I've, I never realised that you were going to pick me up and, and start talking to me about recruitment. And, like, we see the person's hand, and we see the person's vambrace, and we're like, oh, shit, that's Wonder Woman. But they do the thing at the end of the first uh, film where you just see Superman's body, but not his head to indicate that it's definitely Henry Cavill there. So, like, you see Wonder Woman's shoulder, and Billy carries on talking, and all you hear is her going... So like, <laughs> did they get Gal Gadot there? I mean, like, just to go. <sighs> I feel like Warner Brothers could get Gal Gadot if they wanted to. Well, yeah, they probably still got her on contract. But that also made works. me worry, thinking like, are we? It, are they thinking maybe don't get Gal Gadot back to be Wonder Woman? Well, here's the thing: if you've already let go of Henry Cavill and Patty Jenkins, your reasons for hanging on to the rest of that team start hmm. to unravel. Ben Affleck's gone. Uh, yep, yeah, he's already been replaced. And um, fucking Ezra Miller, serious now actually in rehab. That's a good thing. That is a good Stay thing. Stay there, please. But it does mean that the idea of doing any more work with them is on a shelf for now indefinitely. Yeah. And Aquaman? Aquaman's still good. I mean, I feel like Jason Momoa would be up for whatever. <laughs> but I've heard that already that they're going to recast him as Lobo. My original suggestion. I'm like, what the I fuck? said that the first time. I said that, but you can't just recast him. <laughs> like, it, it, it's what you said about um, they can't cast Johnny Storm as Captain America now. No one will stand for it. It worked. It did work in the end, but there was enough separation between the two of them. And, and it was two different studios. Not enough people really remembered the Fantastic Four at all to be able to go, uh. And also it was a completely different performance. I feel like him as Lobo would not be wildly, wildly different, different from, from him Aquaman. as Aquaman. I'm like he'd be charming though, as fuck this, either way. This kind of has overtones of the 1930s, we have you on contract to the studio. A contact player, player for old Jack Warner. can make you do whatever they want to make you do. Yes. And that is a little bit worrying. <laughs> yeah. We need to go back to the star system. That's when everything was great. Give Warren Beatty another movie to direct. <laughs> we'll all go and see Town and Country. <laughs> I see Warner Brothers' days of not learning from their mistakes are certainly coming to a middle. Oh, wait. Peter Chelsea directed Town and Country. Sorry. 
Warren Beatty was just in it. We'll all go and see Dick Tracy. I didn't know he directed Dick Tracy. He totally did. He got his dick out, man. Anyway, so uh, the date with uh, Wonder Woman turns into a fiasco when Wonder Woman gets up to leave and then turns around and has the head of Djamon Hounsou, the wizard, saying, Billy, I'm communicating to you during your dream. And Billy's like, what? And I'm like, that is strangely arousing. (laughs) (laughs) But... It's absurd. Anyway, so like, that was one of the bits that made me go, Ugh. like, you know when you're laughing but groaning at the same time? Anyway. <laughs> oh, the head swap was a challenging and erotic moment. <sighs> right. Dala, the little girl. Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> Helen Mirren gets the McMuffin. And then they're going to take over the world by summoning monsters. And so big, greebly monsters, like in the first one, start tearing their, their way out of the, uh, uh, the pavement and causing all kinds of commotion. And like there's plants in Central Park, or Philadelphia's version of Central Park, the place where the Rocky statue is now. And it's a minor kerfuffle. In superhero terms. And the uh, city's like, no, don't help us superheroes, or maybe do. Like, we don't know whether we can rely on you. And there's a lot of back and forth thing, especially as the uh, this staff can actually suck away Shazam powers so that it ends up with the, the kids are just, we're just kids, we can't do anything. And eventually the parents get brought in. And I always like the foster parents in the first one. They get nowhere near enough in this, but they're lovely again. Mm. And there's a really, really sweet moment when... Marta Williams as Rosa Vasquez. The mother says to Billy, like, she realises that you're, you're going to age out and that's why you've been so afraid the whole time. And she's saying this to big adult greying temples, Zachary Livy, older than her. And she does ask him to turn back into the version of Billy that she knows. And she's, you know, we are not ever going to cast you out, my son. And it's just, that's really nice. <sighs> Especially for me. A lot of pieces falling into place. Anyway... <clears throat> They have to fight the Greeblies, and the kids are like, how do we fight the Greeblies? And it's like, well, we've got to go get... They, or what do the, is the only thing that Greeblies fear? And there's a pen, I've just remembered, that writes for them and dictates literally everything these kids say, which causes some amusing letters, um, that says, what is it? The, what do the beasts fear the most? And it turns out to be unicorns. And what do unicorns like the most? Ambrosia. The amber nectar of the gods. And a lot of people have been talking about this. Uh, Dala, sweet little girl, goes, what's the closest thing we have to the nectar of the gods? And then it turns out that when they're getting these shabby-looking black unicorns, and I was like, my lawyers will be in touch, but they don't talk, luckily, uh, out of a parking lot, what she tempts them out with, and they are these savage beasts, and you think they're going to gore this little girl with their horn. No, you don't. But she holds up... Skittles, and she throws them in the face of the camera like it's a fucking 3D movie. And the unicorn, like, eats some, and then they cut to the next scene, and they're all riding on unicorns, because this is fine. And little Dala shouts as they're going along, taste the rainbow, motherfucker. And I'm not making that up. And... The whole thing is a Skittles advert? Yeah, I mean, honestly... I actually, like, if you snip that bit and that bit, that could be a bit that plays before the movie Shazam that's actually just a straight-up commercial for Skittles that's fucking cringe-inducing. But the fact that it's in the movie... You remember that ad 
for Verizon Wireless or something, where Quicksilver was like running about yes. the house yes. trying to advertise fast speed wireless, and they played. Come and Get Your Love by Redbone from Guardians of the Galaxy. And I was specifically said either they don't know or they don't care. It would be like if that was in the middle of X-Men Apocalypse. And then I thought, well, about the same as, as, as that fucking level of movie. The actual Sweet Dreams uh, section where uh, the, the comedy of uh, Quicksilver rescuing everybody really, really fast. And then Cyclops' brother dies in a tonally mishmashed uh, collection of scenes and then they get moved on very quickly to some reshoot sections where they have to force in Wolverine would that have been so disrupted by a product placement as blatant as this was Power Rangers the 2017 movie ruined by the Krispy Kreme placement yes maybe honestly I would consider these a cautionary tale Krispy Kreme and Skittles need to look at the Blatant product placement that they actually forced into Power Rangers 2017 and Shazam 2 Fury of the Gods and go, these movies didn't do well. And a lot of people kept talking about the product placement. And we didn't actually ex experience that much of an uptick in sales. People just thought we were shit. Maybe don't do that so much. It kind of ruins movies for a lot of people. Not so much me, because I'm... I'm like, okay, fine, cool, yeah, product placement. I'm a lot more prickly about needle drops. But, you know, like when the, the Xbox turned into a Transformer in, in Transformers, we see this shit happening. Mm, yeah. I suppose there's, there's somebody making a decision down the wire that is along the lines of, even if the actual placement in the movie does not encourage more purchase, hmm. People will be talking about how heinous and sticking out like a sore thumb the placement was on social media, which means that we get lots of mentions. People will be saying People Skittles will a lot. Talking about, be talking about us. Our adverts will get picked up by the algorithm and thrown underneath the eyes of people who may then oh, go point. out yeah. and buy Skittles. If you say Skittles, oh my God, you're right. If you say Skittles, you'll get Skittles ads. They'll be like, I'm not buying them. Mind you, I would like to taste the rainbow. I don't know why, but uh, yeah. Uh, and unfortunately, what it reminded me of was uh, when Dala throws them up, it's like the closest thing we have to the Nectar of the Gods was, um, oh yeah, they they took the colouring and the smooth coated shell and a lot of the sugar out of British Skittles. And Skittles aren't as good as American ones, or, or as good as they used to be. They've done that with most British products, removed as much sugar as they possibly can. Right. It's to combat obesity and also to save a buck. See, my point of view would be there is such a thing as the closest thing to the Amber Nectar of the Gods. It's called peach juice. It's what the Amber Nectar of the Gods was. You're filming in Georgia. I'm pretty sure you can find some. It's Philly. Maybe they were filming in Georgia. Films in Georgia. Yes. Right, yes. sorry. You can find peach juice in Philly, Mark. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Anyway, Darla was in West Philadelphia, born and raised. <laughs> At the end, just after the uh, My Son speech, uh, Shazam gives his life to try and combat what ends up like Lucy Liu does a heel turn on the villains, kills one of her sisters, um, Helen Mirren, uh, and I'm like, oh. And then they kind of bring back Helen Mirren and say, how do we do it? How do we defeat your sister? And she's like, oh, just let me die. And I'm like, Helen. Don't play this character in Shazam! Fury of the Gods. Come and play Merlane in my new movie, The Princess Thieves. <laughs> I'll just start filming you and build the movie around you. I'll get you and Ian McKellen in a room, mm. in 
in armchairs. You can sit down and we will bring you snacks. Just talk and then we'll... Just talk. Just turn the cameras on and not say anything. Ian McKellen. <laughs> it's Merlane and Merlane in a coffee shop. Yeah. Anyway, Lucy Lou's on the back of a dragon. Uh, her other sister, like, they've been depowered. Everyone keeps getting depowered. And the only one still not yet depowered is Shazam. He's the only one who can save the day. She's flying around on a dragon and it just reminded me of the end of, Shaz- of uh, Shang-Chi. And it's like endings where someone's flying around on a dragon and it just flies round and round and round and we've got to do the doobly-doo and put the thing on the thing. Visually speaking, you'd think that would be epic and amazing, but in practice, films never make that work. Can you think of a single time when the ending has basically been dragon that wasn't in the rest of the movie flying around and around and around and around and around and, around and like breathing fire or something? You, you're kind of asking you're the wrong person. detached from reality. Because the... the when, whether it's a dragon or whether it's a spaceship, when the zooming is broken out, yeah. that's the point at which I switch off and have a nap and I will come back when they start talking again. Yeah, to me that's misuse of dragons. If you can somehow weave dragons into the drama of the mm. thing, then suddenly you have my complete and undivided attention. But when a dragon is simply there, they are effectively doubling for a rocket ship or a scooter yeah. or something. Indeed. And so there's that, and Billy confronts her and is killed. Like, he is straight up murdered. They kill Shazam. And then they're very sad about it. I'm like, well, they're not going to end on they killed Shazam, are they? And I'm like, and they're really holding it for a long time. Now's the time when Billy needs to cough and come back around. And Jack Dylan Grazer gives a really impassioned, tearful performance reacting to this. And then they fucking bury him. And they, it cuts to they've buried Billy. And they're now standing at this, uh, these ancient ruins and they're, you know, they're crying and having a funeral for Shazam is dead. And I'm like, that's how they left it? That, like, this is, like, Shazam and then Shazol. <laughs> and then someone says, he can't be dead. Like, you know, I just can't believe it. And, and, like, why didn't he turn back into Asher Angel? And, and I don't know. To, and, and then someone says, yeah, but the only person who can bring it back is one of the gods. And none of the gods are on Earth anymore. And then someone goes, there is one god still on Earth. And you turn around and it's fucking fucking Wonder Woman's actually there. Smiling away like Wonder Woman. And all the kids are like, oh, Wonder Woman. And then she sort of walks over to the grave and goes, yeah, we cured death where I was from thousands of years ago. Kajiga. And kind of brings him back to life with, oh, it's super easy. Barely an inconvenience. And they go, thank you, Wonder Woman, for cameoing. And then they, they dig Billy up from the grave they buried him in. I don't know if he's in a coffin or they just put dirt on him. At what point do they go, hang on a minute. <laughs> Why didn't you do this with Superman and save us all an awful lot because of Because he was Kryptonian in a completely different situation. <laughs> Why didn't you do this with all the dead people that you have had to mourn? I can only bring... Greek heroes back to life. And your boyfriend. And my boyfriend. But, you know, that's just because I have trouble letting go. I, I don't know how to feel about Gal Gadot. Uh, it was lovely seeing her. And I was like, hey, Wonder Woman. But fucking hell, wouldn't it just have been better to have Shazam and Wonder Woman interact dramatically? Like a crossover? Like Hulk in Thor Ragnarok? That's a thing that comics do. They don't just have someone turn up for a fucking dinner scene. I mean, you, you, you can do that. It don't mean it's to be done. It, it's, the mythological thing is absolutely apropos. It is, yeah. She, like, he's got powers of people she knew. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. If, if he needs a connection point to the people who should be his mentors, 
she's ideally placed. But ultimately, it sounds like what they're chasing is those little hits of recognition and excitement mm. and not... Oh, no, that idea, gives me warm feelings. Not the idea of a sustained uh, meaning mm. that underlines those connections. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Billy comes back to life and uh, they uh, he says to his family, and I think he says this before he gives his life, you know, I've been holding on too hard and I, I should just have let you go. And uh, to his credit, Jack Dylan Grazer sells the no, don't go Billy amazingly well. It's like a lassie come home situation. Like you really feel because Jack Dylan Grazer is an amazing really actor. Really good actor, yeah. Something also tells me that this sequence would have been a lot more engaging if they hadn't buried Billy but that he was definitely dead, and then whom should come flying down but the rock as Black Adam? Yeah, I saw you fighting a dragon. I came along to help, but I was too late. Yeah, I saw you. I felt you. Now let me try something. Especially as what he should really be looking at is a fallen boy. You seeing how this kind of, you know, bringing a boy back to life is something for Black Adam? So he does that, brings Billy back, who is shazammed. And then before he leaves, he goes, you owe me. Which means that the next time they meet, Black Adam's going to ask Billy to do something he doesn't want to do. And then they have a vendetta. And it's based on Billy's moral code opposing his. That's how superheroes work, folks. And I feel like there may actually have been something posited or written as a possible end capper to this film along these lines, and Dwayne said no again. I could be wrong, but he already said no at least once. He's not allowing Shazam in his movie. He also won't deign to be in Shazam's movie. Okay, and then the, some people from the Justice Squad turn up, and I feel again like these are characters from Peacemaker. Apparently this was going to be Hawkman. Dwayne said no. And they're like, do you want to join the justice? Yes. Wait a second, society? <laughs> they're two different things. And they make kind of a gag about that. And uh, it's all very much up in the air. And no Black Adam, thank you very much. There's uh, not even a mention of him. At no point does Billy like hold up a piece of paper and go, this guy going crazy in the fictional land of Scrovovia. Uh, he's got my suit, but it's all black. I mean, I don't know. Like, we may, Maybe I should meet this guy. Because that is not on the cards, it's not on the table. And after the reshuffle, I don't know if Johnson's coming back. I don't know if Levy's coming back. We don't know if Cavill's coming back. I don't know if Gadot's coming back. None of this, it, it, not so much it doesn't feel like it matters, because ultimately every movie has to be able to matter in its own environs and confines. Mm. But what I'm looking at here is a three-picture Shazam trilogy that is incoherent and not cohesive. Parts one and three are not allowed to interact with part two. Mm. There's this absurd level of denial, despite the fact that Black Adam is the same powers from the same source in just a dark, like a black version of that costume, AKA Superman in his black costume. Mm. So <sighs> Dwayne Johnson permitted more interaction then between the mummy, the mummy returns and the Scorpion King. Yep. I mean, they could just have brought in his Scorpion King digital double from the end of Mummy Returns and just had Shazam fight that. You know, it's, it, you could just tighten up the graphics a little on level three. Just tighten. I'd have been waiting for Jack Dylan Grazer to run in and go, No! <laughs> <laughs> 
Because they have the superior comic timing. Man, that hurt. Yes, and that hurt me as well due to the fact that I feel pain as any ordinary canine would. You know, when I first heard the idea, what kind of pets will your favorite superheroes have? You'd be playing Superman. I love it. Let me finish. Superman's cat. You'd be playing Superman's cat. I jumped at the opportunity. What's going on? You're super strong. Crypto has a false sense of reality because of his relationship with the biggest superhero on the planet. I love the relationship between Crypto and Ace. Smelling stuff is one of the greatest joys of being a dog next to licking any part of your body. I mean, I lick myself all the time. Before we go, uh, there's a bit of a roundup because we've now seen two animated films that are pertinent to Black Adam and Shazam Fury of the Gods. And Sharon has now seen both films. So she can weigh in on, on how she feels about them and they're just the, the state that we're leaving the Shazam universe. Okay, so the first one is the DC League of Super Pets, which may as well be called Illumination's Secret Life of Pets 3, because that's what it is. That's where the humor is. That's what the animation is. They just obtained the license for DC dogs, cats, a guinea pig, a turtle, etc. The noteworthy thing here is that Dwayne Johnson plays Crypto the Superdog, Superman's white dog, who's very much got this overachiever thing going on. And it's very much a comedy role. And he's put up against Kevin Hart as Ace the Bat Hound, who is much more cynical. But it's noteworthy because that's twice that Dwayne Johnson has been very deliberately associating himself with Superman, but in a completely different capacity. Because in Black Adam, it's like Superman turns up and says, we should talk. And Black Adam's like, oh, we're not going to be talking. We're going to be fighting because he really wants to fight Superman. But he also wants to bring Superman a newspaper in the mornings. Maybe his slippers. It's doubly ironic if it's a newspaper, because, of course, would it be the Daily Planet? Do you think Clark reads the opposing trades? I don't know. I don't know. I, he probably gets the, a copy of the Daily Planet for free, especially if mm. he's got a byline that week. But, I mean, how are we supposed to interpret this, Dwayne? At the end of the movie, a scene happens as a stinger that kind of teases uh, Secret Life of Pets 4, which would be DC Super Pets 2, and that's that Black Adam and Black Adam's dog, Black Fido, Black Philip, Anubis, turn up in the park and kind of uh, intimidate Superman and his dog, Crypto. Which means for you mathematicians out there that there are four people in this brief scene and three of them are played by Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> Dwayne would have been very well aware of exactly what he wanted to put into Black Adam for the reverse. But you've also got... Dwayne Johnson talking to Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> one's Superman's dog, the other one's Black Adam's dog. That's my toy. Then why is it in my mouth? Superman. Black Adam. Your owner's a hero too? Anti-hero. It's basically exactly like a regular hero, except way cooler. You make up your own rules, and then you break them. Also, you can ignore most moral and ethical conventions because no one can stop you. Yeah, that sounds a lot like a villain. Anti-hero. If he's anti-hero, a then isn't he a villain? Admit he's an anti-hero or Black Adam will destroy you. 
Very villain thing to do. It's a fine line, not gonna lie. Well, whatever he is, I bet he can't fly to Pluto. Oh yeah? Watch him. My toy. The preponderance of Man of Steel-related imagery, action sequences, uh, aesthetics to Black Adam make me think that Dwayne Johnson was one of the few people who watched Man of Steel and went, now that, that is a movie. I want to be in that movie. And decided back in 2013 that he wanted Black Adam to be very much like Man of Steel and didn't change his mind for nine years. I could be wrong. But it seems like he wants to be Superman, fight Superman, and... Bring Superman his slippers. Get scritched by Superman. I mean, <laughs> which is weird because I feel like uh, Dwayne Johnson would play probably a pretty good Superman. You know, he's pretty good at playing Superman's dog. We'll buy that. The other animated movie is called Superman Shazam, colon, The Return of Black Adam. And this is a 2010, 24-minute animated short. And it was from back when DC were trying to kind of raise awareness of uh, superheroes that they had outside of Batman by releasing shorts and uh, animated movies about such characters as Batman, Superman, and uh, like a f eight minute short of Green Arrow, who by that point sounds like a roaring success. Yeah, and uh, there was a Wonder Woman one as well. You know, like you know, she gets one. Actually, she got two in the end. Uh, um, Bloodlines, which uh, we can we haven't yet watched, but um, Superman Shazam: Return of Black Adam is is maybe not living proof, but animated proof that you can get these three characters on screen and the world doesn't melt down. You've got. Jerry O'Connell playing uh, adult version of Billy Batson. This is a, it's an origin story. It's a potted version of what actually happened in the first Shazam movie. You know, even down to the uh, going astray on a, a, a mysterious train uh, for Billy and finding the Rock of Ages with the... Was it the Seven Deadly Enemies? Yes, the Seven Deadly Enemies of Humanity because presumably in a kid's show they can't use the word Lust. Sin. Yeah, lust is just what was that? Uh, uh, injustice. Injustice, yes. yes. But um, uh, there's a couple of others that don't quite seem to to match up. Um, was that on purpose, by the way, that you said that Jerry O'Connell was playing a, the adult Billy Batson? Yes, it's factual. What? 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 Jerry O'Connell's playing Superman. Jerry O'Connell played Superman in the Death of Superman animated movie. George Newbern from Justice League played Clark Kent and Superman. And Arnold Vosloo, the mummy himself, played a very aggressive Black Adam who comes to Fawcett City, which is named after the original Fawcett comics that Captain Marvel came from, uh, to eliminate a small child. It, it never says why he's there. It's just that he's, he's a man of purpose and he absolutely wants to kill little Billy prior to him becoming Captain Marvel. And like I say, it's, it's only 24 minutes, so they have to shorthand it. But what comes across is that Billy is a kind kid and that he looks to Superman as a role model and that Superman has some real trouble against Black Adam because he's weak to magic. And in the end, after being hounded around by Black Adam, who's actually really f scary, like I said, if you've got this guy who's going to no-sail punches and you know can't be hurt... You either have him as someone desperate to save people like Superman, or you have him as a stalking Terminator figure. He worked well in this as the latter. But it did make me realise Captain Marvel, played by Zachary Levy, gets knocked all over the place. 
Like, he gets thrown left, right, and center. Like, very deliberately falls on his back and slides along the pavement, banging his head on cars. That's not something that Black Adam did. So that, that means that in terms of power set, Black Adam is far more invincible than Shazam. The names are interchangeable. Captain Sparkle Fingers, if you will. So it appears from the outside, and again, we can only interpret what we're seeing, that Dwayne Johnson has insisted he be the toughest in all of the DC power hierarchy, both in front of the camera and seemingly behind it in terms of being able to make executive decisions about who appears and who does not appear in these movies. However, he couldn't prevent the lack of success of the Black Adam film, at least, you know, it made enough, but it did not make enough to command Henry Cavill being maintained as Superman in the DC universe moving forward. Uh, He's out for James Gunn's new Superman project, which is sad because it meant that Cavill had to say to his fans on Twitter, hey, I'm I'm back in the DCEU, Uh, you know, Superman's back. And then seemingly mere days later say, it's a no, guys, I'm sorry. I I thought I was back, but I'm not. That's crushing. Also, and We Hate Movies pointed this one out, he was given a choice of two costumes to wear, the blue suit or the black suit. The black suit being the one that uh, all of the dudes cheered for in uh, the Snyder Cut of Justice League. The one that is effectively at Forgathering Sunlight, doesn't really have a cape and is more of a tool than a symbol. Mm. Yes. But is reminiscent of Superman whenever he's being drawn as an alternative universe authoritarian. Mm. But notably, a lot of Snyder heads called Cavill a traitor for opting for the bluer traditional Superman suit because they wanted it to just be about Zack. But to that end, they wanted Superman in his black suit to go up against Black Adam in his black suit. I'm knotting my brow at this point. What what do you want? Just like stack up a bunch of black Lego bricks and another bunch of black Lego bricks and smash them together. That's eventually what you get if there's so little contrast between your heroes, villains, anti-heroes, anti-villains. Nothing matters anymore. Mm. They're just these violent hammers for smacking against things. We want Batman to fight Superman and they all got to be wearing black leather. And then we want Superman to fight Black Adam and they all got to be wearing black leather. I mean, guys, you got a little thing for black leather? I mean, one sympathizes it's very cool but twas not to be and you know time will tell if shazam moves forward i will note that watching old footage of the original shazam film zachary levy is in a much chunkier bodysuit like he's wearing a muscle suit that makes him look much more swole i suppose is the best way of putting it and he's got that fun little cape with the hood Uh, that distinguishes it from any other, like, Superman outfit. But in this one, all of them are wearing slightly more stripped-down costumes, and especially Levy's version looks really lean, and it made me realise that you start the movie with him as a fully-grown adult version of himself, and there's almost no correlation with him as a child. But the problem with that is you lose sight of the fact that he is, in fact, a child. You just think he's a very immature man. And the fact that Billy himself, we, we get so little Asher Angel, never really acts 
as irresponsible and sloppy and all over the place as Levy's Shazam. I'd say it's a fundamental weakness that his two actors did not study each other and replicate that. Like, if at least the kid was as goofy as Levy then there'd be a correlation there. But the kid's actually quite well restrained and yeah. seems more like a human being. The, it, it's much more prominent in Fury of the Gods, but yeah. I would say it was it was present in the first one as well, that Asher Angel is more mature than Zachary Levy is playing hmm. Shazam. Yeah. There's footage of The Rock talking about how, uh, you know, the, the, the most important thing is to... Ha- is to ha- be able to take everything that gets thrown at you, including the most important thing, having the courage to fail, which would be to lose. And something that he... Uh, you, you pointed out yourself that um, being a wrestler who never wants to sell a punch and never wants to get any other guy over is not great wrestling candor. It's not great conduct in or out of the ring. The Rock was beaten repeatedly by Stone Cold, by Taker, you know, by by friggin' Triple H. The Rock wrestler was a heel, and he was great as as the the guy who's a big, loudmouthed asshole, but really charismatic with it. There's a big question mark over a lot of the behaviour around this, and... It, it comes down to what is he trying to prove? Yeah. And who to? And he absolutely does not have to prove that he's big and tough and can take control and can be a, a leader insofar as everyone else has to do what he tells them. We already have seen this. We already believe him. There's none of that Fast and Furious having to count each punch with the fight that he has with Vin Diesel in just the fifth movie, his first appearance, just to make sure that neither of them ended up with more punches than the other. And I, I frankly do not want to hear any more speculation about this whole the power hierarchy of the DCEU. I, I tell you now, it's David Zaslav. He's the one who signs the damn checks. Mm-hmm. The fact that The Rock was unable to push this through. But here's the thing. I feel like, and this sounds odd, but it's true, if The Rock was... Pl- If Dwayne was playing a character of an actor who is this brittle and neurotic and did insist upon all of these things, he's effectively doing a little bit of Triple H in what he's doing. He's doing Vin Diesel. And yeah, he's kind of doing Vin Diesel. But either way, that's almost a more entertaining, sad performance than most of his actual on-screen performances. Does he know? to turn kayfabe off (sighs) anyway this sounds like we've been very disrespectful to him the whole time through and that's not really my intention this is concern this is i want him to do better i want him to do well and these two films shouldn't be all about him but he's made them all about him including the one he's conspicuously not in zachary levy i could take or leave so what's the next DC thing we got to talk about? Are we up to date yet? I have no idea. I have a list of what's coming out for Marvel, but I do not follow mm. DC's release schedule. It keeps changing. Well, I guess we will at least meet you for Aquaman 2, folks. Speaking of Vin Diesel, the trailers for Fast and Furious 10 are now coming thick and fast. The That's Fast X, the 11th Fast and Furious film, uh, because Vin Diesel won't observe the 
ninth one that wasn't Fast 9 but was in fact Hobbs and Shaw, everyone's in this one. They brought Han back from the dead. I could quite easily see them bringing Gal Gadot's Giselle back from her apparent death to be back in the film and because people like and appreciate Gal Gadot now more than they did before. And this is the kind of movie where they could tease that at the end and just have her sort of walk on and... Anyway, everyone's here. Everyone alive. Plenty of people who weren't alive for a while before. I would not put it past them to do some chicanery with uh, um, the Brian character utilising one of Paul Walker's brothers. And Jason Momoa, the potentially most successful uh, Pacific Islands athletic actor in the world is the villain and liable because he's playing a fun version of a villain to uh, end up as their best buddy for Fast 11, the 12th Fast Film, Furious film. And Vin Diesel already recruited, you know, I'll, I'll get my own wrestler who'll do as I say in John Cena, who has gone from uh, antagonist to uh, fun uncle. And there's this big gaping rock-sized hole on that poster like everyone's back like even Shaw of Hobbs and Shaw but not Luke Hobbs and it feels like would you two beef princes just hug it out please you know you know when your series was doing at its absolute best when you two could both be on screen together the moment that stopped happening you started going downhill I feel like fevered egos are not the best way to make great movies and getting butt hurt for years at a time. Graciousness and humility are fine qualities in superstar actors. I wanted to share with you guys, there's a good friend of mine named Inky Johnson. He said something that was really profound that I feel ties into this whole thing. And he talked about having the guts to fail. And the reason why I bring that back around to you guys is having the guts to fail um, compared to having the desire to be famous, having the desire to succeed. And by the way, you should have a desire to win, desire to succeed, there's nothing wrong with that. Ain't nothing wrong with that and that's your truth. But I have found in life that the, that the desire to become famous, the desire to succeed will never be as powerful as having the guts to fail. And I love that because I look back at my own life and around every corner and still today, look, I'm a fucking Tyrannosaurus Rex. I'm 58,000 years old, um, but I still have that. And that's my lead foot of just having the guts to fail around every corner. And that leads my decisions. That allows me to take big swings, get my ass kicked on some of them, fail at some of them, but then also succeed at some of them. So uh, I will always take guts over desire. So, I mean, as far as trilogies that are now over and we'll never see them again, it's not bad. And I know that Dwayne would tell me it's not a trilogy. But, uh, and, and I would never want to argue with Dwayne, but it is a trilogy. Because <laughs> he'd give me the rock bottom. Oh my God, he'd rock bottom the shit out of me. <laughs> Update on the whole tooth thing. They took my tooth. Wow. I'm in so much pain. Update to the update, my mouth feels better now, and I'm in negotiations with the dentist to get a plate put in to replace both of the teeth that they had to pull out because of bigotry. And I'm going to pay for that tooth plate with a commission season. And as it turns out, in the stinger for Fast X, the 11th Fast and Furious film, it features the triumphant return 
of Dwayne Johnson as Luke Hobbs, signifying a potential burying of the hatchet between these two stubborn beef princes. Next week, we have a double bill for you of F9 and Fast X. And in the meantime, if you're on our Patreon at the $5 level, we have a special bonus show on one of my favorite movies starring The Rock from all the way back in 2003. It's The Rundown. Here's a clip. Now, I billed this for the longest time as the best Uncharted film since they're not making an Uncharted film yet. And then they finally made an Uncharted film. So now it has become the best Uncharted film. I still think it's better than the uh, Tom Holland, Nathan Drake version because we don't have to put up with the drag factor of Marky Mark. What they've done here, without knowing it, is effectively split Nathan Drake in two. Action Nathan Drake and mouthy Nathan Drake. And both of them are funny. Shooting began in September 2002. We just basically made it up as we went along. Just reading that bit of information, I was like, so much about the way this film is structured and how things happen makes sense. That they were making it up as they went along. I would never, ever suggest that filmmakers do this. I am all about script. I am all about planning. But occasionally a film will come along that says, you know what, Alex, sometimes one slips through. I do, however, feel like then that this may be one that was found in the edit. <laughs> Maybe. In which case, excellent editor. Richard Pearson, he of Muppets from Space. The Bourne Supremacy, excellent. Quantum of Solace with Matt Chess. Uh, we've talked about him before then. Then he was the guy who did that edit, which just was like cut, 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 and it was actually okay. oppressively difficult. Not the editing then. <laughs> and similarly, Quantum of Solace was one of those we cut, like, shot during a writer's strike, folks, was one of those, we'll just make it up as we go along. Brace yourself for more of those in three years' time. Yeah. Uh, oh, he also uh, edited Kong Skull Island, which is pretty good. Justice League. Godzilla King of the Monsters, like he is up and down. Uncharted! <laughs> I swear! Are you a villain? I have never heard you laugh like that. I think that Sharon's evil plan has just come to fruition somehow. Okay, and also. Wonder Woman 1984. Well, we can't be all good at uh, editing films. <laughs> anyway. 